0: Welcome back to the DIRS show. Well, now it's Mike Pence. Um, They found classified material in his papers. Uh, Who's next? Uh, uh, Just let's remember who predicted this. When this first happened, I said, I believe that every single former president who is still alive, and probably some who are no longer alive, every former vice president, every former member of the Intelligence Committee of Congress, every one of them, will have classified material in their possession. Why? Because the classification system is broken. In order to get something classified, it's the easiest thing in the world, and all you have to do is put a stamp, classified, and then it's classified. And people put it among their papers. It, it There's nothing to make it stand out. You have to look close at it to see that it's classified. So I have a solution. I have a technological solution. It seems to me so simple. The stamp that says classified should contain ink that has, as we now know it's possible, ink that now has electronic tracing devices in it so that everything that is classified is electronically traceable by the government, by the intelligence services, by whatever an agency has engaged in the classification. So that way you just do a magic wand over all the papers before you leave the White House. Bzzz. And if there's any classified material, bung, it alerts. And then there's no excuse because these guys, they didn't know they were taking classified material with them. Well, most of them, maybe some of them did. Sandy Berger knew what he was doing. He stuffed it in his shoe. Donald Trump says he declassified, so he maybe knew that what he had had previously been uh, classified. But I don't think that Pence and, uh, and, 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 and President Biden had any idea they had classified material among their papers. And the statute requires that they know. The statute says for, for there to be a criminal prosecution punishable by five years in prison and a fine, It has to be somebody who's not authorized to have the material or not authorized to have it where he has it. And he has to quote, and this is a quote from the statute, knowingly possess it, knowingly possess it. He has to know he has classified material and he has to have an intention to retain it. There's no way Biden knew he had classified material. And if he did, he certainly had no intention to retain it. He gave it back the minute. He found it. I think probably that's true of all the people who have been charged. I mean, the higher ups, the people that we know about now. And so. This is not limited to the people we now know about. Um, now, the question is, let's hypothetically talk about President X or Vice President X. He's reading the papers. He starts going through his files in the offices. Oh, look at that. Classified, 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 hmm. does anybody have to know it's here? Nobody knows it's here. So into the burn bag. Um, that's possible. That may have happened. Would that be a crime? Not clear. Not clear. Because it's not under the subpoena, but the, the the people who would destroy it would know that it was potential evidence in a case. So there would be an argument on both sides of whether it would be a crime we'd wrong we know that it would be absolutely wrong to destroy i mean the claim would be oh i had class 5 material i shouldn't have had it so let me get rid of it so there's no danger but it also serves the purpose of destroying potential evidence that might be part of an investigation so i think it would be it would be wrong and and so how do we deal with this so oh by the way there there are several virtues in this electronic stamp um, number one, it would mean that fewer and fewer and fewer things would be classified. Today, I'm told there are thousands, thousands of documents classified every single year and, 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 and hundreds of people who have access uh, to them. So it's so easy for those papers to be lost among other papers. Um, you know, if people have files, say the Ukraine file, they probably don't have file classified, unclassified file. They probably have subject matter file. And in the subject matter file, you'll have lots and lots and lots of unclassified material and some classified material. I was making an analogy um, to to my wife just before when I read about this. When I moved my boxes from Harvard Law School after retiring after 50 years, I moved my boxes. I didn't look what was in them. I just had my secretary you know, take my files. I had file cabinets and uh, withdraws and take all my files, put them in boxes and and and, and ship them to storage. Um, I know because I get a bill every month from storage for for the shipment. Now I don't know what's in those files I't mean classified because I've never seen a classified document in my life. I was once in a case that required me to look at classified documents and I refused to because I said I want to be free to speak about anything I want in the case. I don't want to be constrained by having seen classified material. So as far as I know, I've never seen classified material. But let me tell you what's in my files. Elena Kagan's grade in criminal law one. Ted Cruz's grade in my course on legal ethics and tactics. and, And the grades of probably 100 prominent people in positions of authority. A lot of people would love to know what grade they got at Harvard Law School. I can't tell them. The Buckley Amendment and other federal statutes prohibit me from disclosing the grades of students. So it's not classified, but it's confidential. Yet it's in a file somewhere. I don't know where it is. And I guess somebody could break into the file and have a headline. Elena Kagan did not get an A-plus in Dershowitz's class in criminal law. What's she doing on the Supreme Court? I can't tell you what she got in the class. But um, um, people would love to know that. But I have no idea what I have in my... In my files, I, I have not only files in, in, in my basements and stuff like that. I have an archive in Brooklyn College. I gave all my papers to Brooklyn College where I went. Appreciate it. That's how I got my education there and in the New York Public Library. And so I donated all my papers to Brooklyn College. And there's a lot of stuff in there. I haven't seen it. The archivists at Brooklyn College have gone through it. And they've told me uh, about things that you know involve lawyer-client privilege. And I can't disclose that. Those are as secret to me as classified material are to somebody else. You know the story. I've told you the story before, but it's worth repeating. When Bibi Netanyahu, was first elected prime minister of Israel, he invited me, my wife, and my daughter to his office in Israel. We happened to be there. And after schmoozing a little bit about, you know, taking pictures in the prime minister's office, he called me aside, took me to a little private room and said, Alan, there's a question I really wanted to ask you for, for, for years. This was... Shortly, about 1996, something like that. He said, I said, I thought he was going to ask me about Iran or about Palestinians. He said, Alan, did OJ do it? I said, Mr. Prime Minister, does Israel have nuclear weapons? He says, Alan, you know, I can't tell you that. I said, Mr. Prime Minister, you know, I can't tell you that. Aha. So, uh, you know, I have secrets. Uh, You'd love to know some of my secrets. Uh, My wife would love to know some of my secrets. Nothing about that. I'm talking about my cases. I uh, have nothing to hide from my wife, but I don't talk to her about whether I think um, O.J. Simpson was guilty or whether I think any of my other clients, many of them notorious, many of them very well regarded, highly regarded. I have represented the best and the worst and many in between. Um, and I have a lot of secrets and they're probably in my files. And I've never hired anybody to go through my files and segregate out the secrets from the non-secrets. Now I'm not in the government, and so I don't have the obligation to do that under the law. But I simply make it as an analogy. I probably should have gone through um, the the papers that I have, and probably should have either burned or put in some secret place the grades that my students got, particularly my prominent students. And you know, I've had. I've had students running for the presidency of the United States. So um, um, it's very important that those secrets be kept. And um, I don't look at them. By the way, I don't know what grade my students get often. Um, uh, We grade anonymously. And so I grade by number um, and the student gets the grade. I get a grade later after it's in indelible link and I can't erase it often look. Um, and when I do, I maybe look to see a few students who are either spectacular or spectacularly bad. Sometimes i surprise surprised when the spectacularly bad students wrote really good exams and the spectacularly, spectacularly good ones didn't. But, uh, you know, every, every year I look at some, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. But I, I don't generally know. But I can look, I can peek, but I'm not allowed to talk. And so I have my own version of classified uh, material. But What I really want to push is two points. Number one, we don't have rules today that make sense about classified material. Um, People don't take classification seriously because 90% of what's classified shouldn't be classified. It's designed to protect embarrassment from people in government. It's not designed to prevent the leak of security information. The vast, vast majority of it uh, could be revealed to the public without any danger to national security at all. There might be a danger to the political future of some of the people, but no danger to national security. So there's too much classification, way, way, way too much. We should have rules limiting a classification and then perhaps dividing classification into categories. We already have that. But um, it's only the really super secret material that really needs to be electronically marked. And that Probably is not in the millions or hundreds of thousands or tens of thousands. It's probably fewer than that. And I think if you have to mark them electronically, I think there would be fewer things uh, uh, classified because people would have to go through a a slightly more cumbersome uh, process. I'd be interested if any of you were uh, engineers or experts in electronics, if you could confirm for me, because I'm sure it's true, that it would be very easy as a technological matter to flag... Uh, classified material or super sensitive classified material electronically so that um, they're easily found just by the wand, you know, going over it. Um, We already have processes like that in place for for other things. And uh, it's just that we don't take classification that seriously. You know, it it wouldn't cost that much money. Uh, Companies spend more money on their security, I think, than the government does on its security. And now that we've seen evidence that uh, three incumbents in a row, uh, you know, um, a president, a former president, and a former vice president, at the very least, have had possession of classified material. And any of you want to lay down a bet? I don't know. I know there's sports betting, but I don't know if they allow political betting. It should be an interesting thing if you had, in addition to sports betting, political betting, where you can bet money on candidates. I would bet a lot of money on the fact that over the next uh, year we will see more people in the headline. Oh, I have classified material in my garage or my basement, you know, in my files. I didn't realize it. Yeah, I'll take it back here. Have it, please. Um, and then the ones we don't know about, the ones who won't go through their files because they don't want to find them, the ones who are no longer alive, and this is a problem. That is not a recent origin. Classification begins, um, you know, many many years ago. Not not necessarily in the beginning of our republic. Uh, of course, we had secret material in the beginning of our republic, even before. But the idea of the way in which classification now works is probably um, probably mostly um, a century a century and a half old. And uh, we've never come up with. Appropriate procedures. We never come up with appropriate rules. The other suggestion I have is that when a president or a vice president leaves their residence, the naval residence of the vice president, the White House for the president, they leave everything behind. And before the new president moves in, 12 noon, you know, on the day specified in the Constitution, before the new president moves in, the archives get uh, four hours uh, to go through the Uh, entire collection of papers, and they decide, not the leaving president or the incoming president, but the archives, with the help perhaps of national security people who have clearance, decide uh, what goes where. Uh, The idea of the president on one of the busiest days of the year, the day he leaves the White House at 11.45 or 11.55 a.m., and moves into private life that they have to go through all the papers and decide what they are appropriately able to take and what they're not seems to me to defy reality. That is a job that should be done by professionals and uh, the professionals ought to be doing it uh, scientifically and electronically. So I think there's a solution to, um, to the problem. So what do we do now? One Two things we ought to do. Number one, we do not criminally prosecute Pence. We do not criminally prosecute Biden. We do not criminally prosecute Trump. We acknowledge that there was a problem, uh, that uh, the statutes don't clearly apply. There's too much ambiguity. But that's step number one. Step number two, we go back and review every single case in which anybody was prosecuted for possession of classified material, Petraeus, um, people whose names we don't know, um, people who have served their government long and hard for many, many years. We review every one of those cases and we ask the following question. If it's good enough for Trump and it's good enough for Biden and it's good enough for Pence, it has to be good enough for lower ranking people. And unless you can demonstrate that these lower ranking people who've lost their security clearance, lost their jobs, and lost their liberty in some cases, that they have exceeded in wrongdoing and in criminality, what uh, these high-ranking people have done, got to give them their uh, clearance back, or at the very least, their jobs, at the very least, make sure that criminal convictions are erased. I don't know if there are any of them still in prison today, but I know uh, I had a guy call me just a few years ago who lost his security clearance, and uh, he was devastated. He had worked for the government for so many, so many, so many years. And uh, in his case, too, it was not deliberate or willful, but uh, they they took away a security clearance. So we have to apply a single standard to everybody. You can't have one law for presidents, vice presidents, uh, and former presidents, and another law for intelligence officers, security people, people in the army. You know, I've had so many people tell me on television who are in the army that, oh, my God, if I ever took home one piece of classified material, I'd be busted. And if that's the case, again, we have to go back and review all of those cases. The law has to be clarified. I've told you before what Thomas Jefferson once said about the criminal law. The criminal law has to be so clear that it could be understood if read while, if read by a person while running, so that's the image you're running, you're holding a statute book, and you have to read the statute book while you're running and say, Oh, yeah, that's clear. Thou shalt not kill. Yeah, I understand that. Thou, thou shalt not rape. They shall not uh, commit perjury. I understand that. And then you look at some of these other statutes. I can read them while I'm sitting, I can read them while I'm in bed, I can read them in the most relaxed way. I don't understand them the statute, for example, under which Alex Baldwin was recently indicted, is incomprehensible. If anybody tells me they understand it, they must be Martians or speak a different language because you cannot understand that statute. I've been teaching criminal law 50 years. I've read every criminal statute there is. I've read every major criminal case there is. I do not understand the New Mexico law on involuntary homicides. Sorry, maybe I'm stupid. No, I don't think that's the answer. The answer is the statute is written in incomprehensible terms, designed to give prosecutors enormous flexibility in defining the terms, commits a lawful act in an unlawful manner. What the heck does that mean? Commits a lawful act in an unlawful manner. You tell me uh, or read the statute. You tell me uh, what it means. Then read the classification statutes and you'll see similar problems. So we have to solve the classification problem. And you know, Pence, you can say what you want about him politically. He is a decent and honorable man. Uh, And I don't believe he would ever do anything deliberately to violate the law. And yet he's been caught. He has the classified, or he caught himself. He turned himself in. He didn't wait to be caught. But I suggest now that uh, the archives go to the Libraries, the basements, the storage bins, the garages, the offices of all our former um, high office holders—all people who had access to classified material—and do a search, and go through it. Uh, you can give them criminal immunity from criminal prosecution. We're not interested in criminally prosecute. We over-criminalize so much. We everything is a crime these days. Uh, again, the example of. Um, of uh, Alec Baldwin, it's just not a crime. It was an accident. Maybe it's a tort and there should be civil liability, but there shouldn't be criminal liability for that. Too much crime, too much crime. And each side weaponizes the criminal justice system against the other side. And that's wrong, that's wrong. What Alexander Hamilton said about impeachment, said the greatest danger, the greatest danger, he's writing about the Constitution of the United States and the Federalist Papers, the greatest danger, is that impeachment will depend more on which party has the most votes than on the guilt or innocence of the particular person being impeached. We've seen that's come true since the impeachment of uh, Bill Clinton and then followed by the two impeachments of Donald Trump. And now people want to impeach the uh, Secretary of Homeland Security. Some Republicans want to impeach uh, uh, Biden. Uh, Democrats, believe me, will impeach whoever the next Republican president will try. So we're just seeing overuse of impeachment, overuse of criminal law, overuse of sanctions in general. So let's get real. Let's solve the problem preventively. Let's create this electronic technique which avoids accidental possession of classified material and uh Let's move on to more important subjects. Look, what's going on in California, these shootings, horrible, horrible, horrible. We'll talk about them, uh, what's going on around the world in Ukraine. Let's take the attention away from these petty party partisan bickering in which one side is completely wrong and one side is completely right, and there's no room for nuance, there's no room for calibration, there's no room for compromise. That's not the America. I grew up in, it's not the America I want to see for my children and grandchildren. All right, let's take some letters. Remember, I, I talked about whether or not the Marshalls sources should seek the aid of the FBI or Congress and give um, a subpoena to the journalists who published the leaked draft opinion um, and fight out the issue of whether or not there is uh, a lawyer, uh, I'm sorry, a uh, reporter source privilege and whether it applies when the only wrongdoing in the case was to the source, by the source. Uh, The source wasn't reporting on government wrongdoing. The government was the Supreme Court and they were doing exactly the right thing. They were circulating opinions and trying to do their job. You might disagree with the outcome as I do, but they didn't do anything wrong. And so... um, Uh, So I I wrote and talked about that. So here's what we've gotten. The marshals can't figure out who leaked the Supreme Court decision. Why not just blame Donald Trump? Isn't that the prevailing approach to uh, attaching wrongdoing to Trump? In Allen's eyes, there's no wrongdoing if it involves hurting the Republicans. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If the leak worked against the Democrats, Allen would be outraged. They would certainly find out the wrongdoer or at least a conservative scapegoat would be discovered. Well, I think I've told you that. Um, I have another book coming out, coming out in a month or so. Guess what the title is? It's called Get Trump. (laughs) The subtitle is Get Trump, The Threat to Civil Liberties Due Process and Our Constitutional Rule of Law by Efforts to Prevent Trump from Running. I'm not going to vote for Trump. Uh, Again, I voted against him twice, but I want the right to vote against him. And so I'm not pushing a Republican or a Democrat agenda here. I don't care who leaked this material. If it's a conservative leak, it so be it. If it's a liberal it so be it. I want to get to the truth. And uh, I think you're just wrong when you think that I never say there's any wrongdoing if uh, the Democrats do it. Plenty of wrongdoing, but the Democrats do the squad. So many other things the Democrats are doing. I don't love the way they're handling the border. Um, I'm critical of all parties, and I'm critical of things I love. I'm critical of the Israeli government. I'm critical of the American government. I'm critical of, I'm a critic. That's what I do. And I think I'm an equal opportunity critic who bases his criticism on principles. Okay, some law clerks admitted to telling a spouse or a partner. That's the leak. Those spouses and partners are not cleared. They're not under oath. Are bound by anything. They're not supposed to even tell them. That's all correct, except as far as I know, none of the law clerks said they gave their spouses the draft opinion. So if all we had was a leak, if Politico had written a leak saying I, we have information that's going to be a five to four vote to overrule Roe versus Wade, then I think suspicion could easily fall on the on the spouses. But when the leak consisted of an actual 30-whatever, a 40-page document from the Supreme Court, there's no reason to believe the spouses had access to that document. And uh, I'm sure justices also speak to their spouses um, about uh, opinions and about the arguments that are within the court. But it takes a special act, a knowingly unethical act, to hand over an actual document, a draft opinion, for publication months before it was scheduled to be public. So I, I don't think it was the spouse's. Another one, 1989, I was an intern at the Supreme Court. I had to sign what was essentially a non-disclosure agreement and signed a document that said if I ever wrote about anything I did on the court, it first had to be submitted to the court for permission to publish. I thought that was overkill for an intern. If anything, um, that's done by law clerk. Is that done by law clerks today? Well, I clerked even before that. I clerk it's now, it's now my 60th anniversary of clerking on the Supreme Court. I don't remember signing anything. I did have a memo, a, a memo that was a secret memo that I gave to Justice Goldberg at his request, um, arguing that the death penalty was unconstitutional. It was kept secret for many, many years, and then I decided to write a book uh, in which I had a chapter on the death penalty, and I wanted to quote from quote, the, the memo. And I asked Justice Goldberg, uh, who was my boss. Uh, He was no longer on the court, but I I think he checked. But in any event, he said, no, go ahead and publish it. It's it's a long time and you can do it. And so I did. So my secret memo on the death penalty appears in in my book, um, uh, Shouting uh, Fire. And I think it also appears in a book that I'm coming out with soon uh, about life and death in the Supreme Court, which deals with capital punishment. So, question, how can the Justice Department and Judiciary Committee have authority to investigate where no crime has been committed? Uh, There's no probable cause. uh, That even a leaker broke the law. A leaker broke tradition, but that isn't the law. Can Congress and Justice Department subpoena people when there's no criminal action, whatever even alleged? Okay, very good question. The answer about, the, of course, the Congressional committee is, of course, yes. Um, Most of the subpoenas they issue have nothing to do with crime. They're not a prosecutorial branch. They can't prosecute under the Bill of Attained Clause, but they can investigate. And so the uh, Judiciary Committee, obviously controlled by the Republicans now, could issue a subpoena without regard to whether there's a crime. But there were crimes. How do I know there were crimes? Because 100 people swore under oath and told The marshal's office that they didn't leak. Now one of them is lying. And lying to a law enforcement official, and the marshal of the Supreme Court is a law enforcement official when conducting an investigation of this kind, is a federal crime. Also a number of them were made to sign affidavits and signing a false affidavit is a federal crime. So uh, the Justice Department is entitled to investigate possible, you don't need probable cause to investigate you don't need probable cause to issue a subpoena. You need probable cause to issue a search warrant, but not a subpoena. A subpoena can be issued based on just mere uh, suspicion or the desire to gather more evidence. A good question, but not, not a hard one to answer. Okay. Um, this is an interesting question. Uh, what I would find fascinating is if the journalist in question were subpoenaed, the lower courts decided that the journalist's privilege does not apply, And it was appealed all the way to the Supreme Court. Would the justices take the case? And if so, could they be objective? That's a fascinating question. Can the Supreme Court decide a case that involves the security of the Supreme Court? Um, Justices are not bound by the usual rules of recusal that appear in the federal statutes. They make their own decisions about a recusal and I suspect the court would meet together and come to a united decision, and I think the united decision would be that, no, they are not refused, that they have the ability to render a decision on that really very important um, issue, constitutional issue, of the lawyer-client privilege as it relates to the leak. Were lie detectors used as part of the investigation? If not, why not? I think the answer is no, but I'm not positive. The report, I think, doesn't mention Lie detectors. Lie detectors are not 100% positive. Um, I used to use lie detectors when I was actively involved in criminal law. I had a guy named Zimmerman who was a great lie detector guy. And um, when my client told me I want to take the stand, I would say, We'll go go down and see Zimmerman. We'll do the lie detector test. And as often as not in the cab on the way to the lie detector, my client would admit, his guilt because he didn't want to face the lie detector. And so I always called Zimmerman my best lie detector, even though he rarely ever had to administer the test because just knowing you were going to take a lie detector sometimes, sometimes revealed the truth. Uh, but, you know, there are a lot of false positives, a lot of false negatives in lie detector tests. So I don't know whether they decided, though, um, uh, whether, whether or not to do it. Last question, a good one. There are limits to what you can share with your lawyer in a, in a privileged fashion, so should there be for journalists. That's a very interesting point. Um, uh, obviously, a lawyer, if, you, if somebody were to tell me he's about to commit a crime, I have to turn him in. Um, and here you had a situation where not only is the source saying, I'm about to commit a crime, he's committing, if it wasn't a crime, committing the sin or the ethical violation of actually turning the material over. Great questions today, both from Rumble and from YouTube. See you tomorrow.